See, people, when they click on this, they'll see the title. So they'll be like, poor Ed. What does that even fucking mean? However, because it's England, that's largely ignored and unstudied. I, I really wish for the sake of, of my sense of moral righteousness that I could get away with saying no. He had a goddamned ancestral home and a noble title until Germany became a republic. You know, n none of this highfalutin, you know, uh, critical role stuff. So they chewed through my favorite shit. No, I'm not helping them. I'm going to say that you're getting into another kind of, you know, Mediterranean or psyche archetype kind of thing. Makes sense. Also, trade wins are a thing. Haha, just serious. Like, no, he really has a mat on it. Uh, yeah, we'll go off on a tangent. Um, as we keep doing. Like, yeah, I, this is this is yeah. how we fill time. to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history and English teacher uh, currently on contractual unemployment uh, here in Northern California. Um, and what I have going on right now is uh, we're going to be going to Disneyland uh, in about a month and a half or so. And we have been advised by friends of ours, uh, one of whom works in the park and one of whom is a an annual pass holder because they live down in Southern California, um, that before we go, uh, we should make sure that Robert has seen uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, so that when so that, you know, when we go on the ride, he's going to he's going to know, you know, what all what all the references are to. Now, being of a certain age myself, I I have feelings about the changes that Disney has made to the ride in the wake of the movies making so much money. But anyway, so tonight um, we showed uh, Pirates of the Caribbean to my son, um, <laughs> and uh, he he got a kick out of it. He got he got you know spooked out in all the right moments and you know did the fist bumps of victory at all the right you know all, all the right beats he was following along um but what i have to say is i don't think in the wider media analysis landscape that that movie got quite enough credit for being clever in the way that it was now i want to be i want to be very specific here it's not a smart movie it doesn't delve into any deep, meaningful questions about, you know, uh, uh, and it, it, it does it does nothing philosophical at all. But there is a very great deal of cleverness in the way it plays with its own particular rules about magic and the supernatural and and how stuff works. And so, yeah, I think I on on multiple watchings and uh, it, yeah, it 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 comes across as being a better movie 
in some ways on, on multiple viewings to me anyway. And it's also very clear that everybody involved in the production was having way too much fun, which always, which always makes it a better movie to me, even if it's not high art, even if it's not, you know, deeply meaningful or intellectually worth a tinker's cuss, it it's, it's fun and entertaining. And that's, that's why I spend my money to go to the theater. So anyway, that's, that's what I have going on. How about you, sir? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, and the news I've got is that I today was called a motherfucking moron um, by my son while watching a cartoon. <laughs> it what? was awesome. It was, And I even <laughs> turned to him like, you know, this is the only place you can say those words together, <laughs> right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But um, I basically had, um, oh, God, what was it? I, I think I was saying, like, I was mispronouncing the name of a character multiple times. And So, so what you're saying is you yeah. were baiting him. Uh, completely, yes. Okay. Um, right. And I did it a bunch, and my daughter corrected me, and then I did it wrong again, and then my daughter corrected me, and I did it wrong again, and then my son corrected me, and then I did it wrong again, and then he corrected me and ended it with, you motherfucking moron. So if you want your child to swear at you, watch uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers cartoon. Okay. Um, first off, it's it's great TV anyway. It's very loyal yeah. to the comic series. Uh, various uh, issues it's very loyal to them as far as the the, it it holds to the material Um, but uh, yeah so it was um, and I got to tell a few jokes like did you know you know I said you know do you know what uh, uh, Abomination's first name is and uh, my daughter was like I think it's I'm like it's Barack Um, and so (laughs) it was fun it was it was a good time. So yes, according to my son, I am a motherfucking moron. So do not forget, sir, yes. that I am an ass. Right. Yeah. So I'm so. I'm just gonna call you Dogberry for the rest of the evening. Yeah. So um yeah. my my question is which character's name were you mispronouncing to, to so drive them to I don't remember at this point. Um, because for, it, it that, might that, have been might have been Hawkeye. Because Hawk Guy. Um oh, okay. Um, okay. but I don't think that's what it was. I, I would, I, if I asked him, he would know exactly, uh, because he I'm sure the, the memory of a thing that has a long memory. Oh, yeah. I know what it was. I think I was pointing out like on, maybe it was avatar that we were watching. I don't remember. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Uh, so okay. when, um, Zuko puts on the blue mask and he becomes the, uh, blue spirit. Yeah. The blue spirit. I yes. kept calling him different versions of that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's the Azure fan- Phantom. It's the... Cerulean it's, Ghost. Yeah, it's yeah. the Sapphire Ghost. It's the... Oh, like, man. motherfucking moron. <laughs> so it was good. It was really good. So... And and the thing is, you have... I Having, having met both of your children... Yes. To drive your son to that level of, of yeah. response, you have to have hit that button nine, ten Actually, times. with him... He is remarkably intolerant uh, once he catches on that you're doing it on purpose. Oh, okay. If, you, if you're if you doing right. it genuinely, he has all the patience in the world for you. Okay. The second he figures out you're doing it on purpose, like that very time, <laughs> you might get cussed out. So, but yeah. Highly his gentleness, his gentleness yes. has limits. This is what oh, we're saying here. Yeah. Okay. Intention right. matters. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, so what you're saying is without even realizing it, you're you're raising a Catholic. Oh Lord. Yeah, probably. He is he is kind of just yeah. like personally kind of conservative until you actually explain to him what mm. the actual issue is. And then he'll be like, Oh no, no, never mind. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Humanity comes second for him. Uh dogma yeah. comes first. He's yeah, big on well, rules. You know. <sighs> it goes hey, it goes back to my reading of the gospels, uh, that Jesus was in fact uh, a person with autism. Um, because every single thing he does is similar to a kid with autism. Like Ties he goes back, and yeah. rocks himself in that boat, he's stimming. And every time yeah. he tells a parable, he's in the middle of telling himself a story. And then people come up and bug him. And they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And mm -hmm. they run away with it. And he's just telling him. He's just self-talking the yeah. story about, you know, the mustard seed or something. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, he he figures out how to, you know, share fish and share bread with people because he can actually just stay focused on that one task. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Like his his inability to compromise with the Pharisees very clear uh like oh, no yeah you guys should be following yeah. rules and you're, you're doing it wrong you should yeah. be yeah absolutely yeah um yeah that totally that totally lines up it so here's gave my question. me more it gave me more compassion for him when i read it with that lens than i'd ever had before because okay. of how the story ends for him. spoiler alert yeah. um it's it's kind of badly <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah spoiler alert it does not end well for him yeah. um or i mean if you believe it it ultimately ends well for him and well, the rest and then of humanity, you know the part where but, he's walking you know, on the water and one of his uh, yeah. apostles says jesus what are you doing he's like huh what didn't even notice I yeah mean, yeah yeah i i get it yeah um so my my i've i've all, i've heard all this before of course yeah. but as yeah. you're as you're as you're saying it now the question that occurs to me is has has dr cruz the other the other you know catholic that we know and interact the with the other surly catholic that i talked to the other surly yes. yes surly really that i i'm a teddy bear. yes but <laughs> i have not spoken to him of this no but okay you will have heard okay because i'd, I'd be yeah I, although he I, did I gotta, ask that we gotta put, find uh, out what he thinks he asked that we start putting like time stamps on how long the show is because he texted me yeah. once and he's like I need to know if this is like two hours or one hour. I'm tired of this cowboy shit. So, <laughs> so all right. And I just kind of right, okay, checked. I'm That's like, fair. oh, this one's yeah. a two hour. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, long story sh uh, long. Yeah. Uh, we also have yeah. a guest tonight. Um, yes. As we continue, Speaking of friends of the show. Yes. As we continue yeah. our our reign of, of Hulk Hogan, uh, media made media murderer. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everything in between and on either side, uh, please welcome back Andrew Sutherland, who is still chasing his PhD, uh, and he's got his first year down. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hi there. I'm happy to be back. I am just a little bit stunned hearing the idea that Jesus Christ was autistic, and in all honesty, I'm going to probably get a text from my mother like, how don't you say that? Um it makes so much sense, especially when you mm -hmm. go into um I was gonna try to make a joke, but I can't think of any any yeah. New Testament well, verses. Uh, his sermon on the mound. Uh, his yeah, his yeah, insisting I mean, on he, changing the order of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Where he talks about twenty four facts about trains. Right. right? Yeah. 
the first shall be last because the engine needs to go backwards now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm, there yes. we go. That's what. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll fix there it. In you post. Go. Yeah, Thank and you. and the and the thing is, speaking speaking as as you know, a, a believer, believer. Um, my own take on it, and and this is not mainstream, but my own take on it is, if your interpretation is that that you know Jesus was autistic or exhibited autistic mm-hmm. behaviors um the knee-jerk reaction that everybody wants to have that well n- no he was not is deeply fucking ableist yes and yeah. and here's the deal if you're a believer um you know if you've if you've read the book and and follow the teachings jesus was fully human and fully divine and what exactly does that do to a human brain? Yeah, no, that's what I was kind of thinking. Because like, as somebody who's fairly agnostic, my mindset is like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Because to me, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, people who have autism tend to have superpowers in a lot of ways. Or yeah, or yeah, they're, yeah. they're they're strangely mundane in a way that is just slightly off off sync with everyone else. And go back to the Bronze Age, and you just needed to count past four, and people would think you're a genius. (laughs) Like, you know, yeah. (laughs) I I would also, I would also point out. I mean, for Huber's sake, yes, but yeah, I mean, I would also point out though that in uh, the Muslim faith, um, in Islam, Mm, uh, people who are uh, who exhibit uh, what we would call special needs now are considered to be people who are closer to God. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. Well, in in according to the Quran, mm-hmm. um, anybody who is in a position that makes them vulnerable mm-hmm. within the context of an Iron Age civilization is is closer to God. Widows, orphans, right? The poor, the dispossessed, the disabled, oh, the crippled. Yes. Any of those people, according to the Prophet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is to say, according to God, transmitted through the prophet, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, a believer in Islam. But, you know, the, the the teachings of the Quran and the teachings of the Hadith, which are less, you know, don't know this is the word of God and more, right. no, this is how Muhammad explained it to all of us. Um, no, it is, it is very seriously, if someone is vulnerable, mm-hmm then God wants you to help them and look after them. And you should treat them as being special. And they are closer to God because of that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, this is one of those moments where the ecumenist in me is like, it's all the same fucking message. Yep. Like at the end of the day, I... nearly every faith in the world, there, Don't there, be are, a dick. there are exceptions. Mm-hmm. The Aztecs come to mind. Um, there are exceptions, but nearly every faith in human history has come down to the idea that no, no. Ultimately, we need to help one another, and we are all connected. Yeah, and I and, love all of this. You yeah, know, it's like, doesn't make me happy. Right before we dive into stuff, <laughs> right before sad. we dive into something that's just yeah. so corrosive to our sense of humanity, and, and yeah, yeah, faith, faith yes. therein, yeah. So yeah. Um, no, hey, I, 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 I got to tell now, people if you, if you find another podcast that in the same episode, will talk about 
uh, the ramifications of a faith venerating and taking care of people with special needs and Hulk Hogan's penis, you go ahead and listen to that podcast instead then, okay? Like, I don't need to compete with that. Like, if you if you find the other <laughs> one that does that, you, fine, fine. You know what? Go. We wish you well. Do it. Yeah. Go. We, we, yes, we wish so. you well. Inshallah. Yeah, exactly. Inch by inch. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, I'm using it incorrectly, but, you know. Yeah. Vaya con Dios. Uh, so. Now I'm just trying to think, like, what would happen <laughs> if I use that whole argument mm-hmm. against um, next time I interact with an anti-vaxxer? I'm just well. They're just speeding myself. up their trip to see God anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the problem true. is they're taking everyone else with them. Yeah, the, the trouble is the selfishness yeah. involved in it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, uh, so Andrew, uh, we hey. were talking about Hulk Hogan, media made, media murderer, and uh, you brought up uh, just off off camera. You brought up some interesting stuff. Uh, you wanted to kind of come back to uh, Arsenio Hall show. So, yeah. Do so. It. So, first things first, uh, I'm just going to bring up the happy thing that has happened this week. It's not to yes. me. It's my partner, my girlfriend. Uh, she just got a job offer. She's not wanting to teach anymore, and she's wanting to transition to a new career, and she got a great job offer, and I'm incredibly proud of her. Oh, excellent. Uh, well, I'm very happy yes. to hear that. I'm sad that we are losing a colleague, but it's understandable, and I'm yeah. glad that she is... I'm glad that she has found another opportunity. That's wonderful. Oh, I love her so much. Um, Okay. But like um, what I was saying. So for me, when it comes to Hulk Hogan, one of the biggest and most unique things about him is how he likes to play to the audience, how he Mm -hmm. likes to engage uh, with with, um, the audience and tries to present himself in certain ways, depending on the situation. Um, What was the first I'm trying to remember because I don't want to call him Jimmy Carson again. Johnny, uh, Johnny, Carson. Johnny, Car- Johnny Carson's show. Uh, far. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, 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 Jack I just have to say as, as, as an old, I kind of hate you for not, for not being able to remember his name. I just uh, like, God Andrew damn it. He was born literally after Carson went off the air. I know. So. I know. It's, That's it's not why that. it makes me burn with such fury. Cause it's it not... reminds me how old I am. Anyway, it's not because of that. It's literally because I've been like just setting up courses all day and that's what's been okay. killing me. Sure. Um, cool. So his first for his first media appearance yeah. on national television, he played to the audience. He presented mm-hmm. himself in a very like humble manner. He was trying to uh, show himself in like a polite manner because he knew the audience tends to be tend to be like middle upper middle class he wants to present himself as like somebody who is approachable and somebody who in a way that is considered air quotes wholesome uh then we saw him on um mtv where he knew his audience and also at the same time he was promoting uh wwe so he needed to be in that persona of hulk hogan and he was more aggressive to a younger audience. And and I and I kind of want to I, I just want to I just want to jump in here and I and I don't want to step on your toes, but what I find interesting about the difference between those two appearances is in both of them he's there as Hulk Hogan. He's exactly. he's never there as Terry Balea. He's always he's always operating under the name of Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. But the he keeps wattage or the amperage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The amperage of how Hulk is Hulk Hogan goes up and down. So exactly. like, keep his mind, name. Though, mm. Keep in mind though, the, but Carson, he was with the AWA. Yeah. And he's, okay. he's slowly going when he shows up uh, with uh, 
MTV. Uh, Belzer. And, at, and on oh, MTV, oh, yeah. on MTV, he's opening the WWF to a wide audience, a wider mm-hmm. audience than they've ever had. So he's not slowly regionalizing. And yeah. when he shows up on Belzer's show, he's literally there to promote WrestleMania in that town in less than a week. Yeah. So there's there are different okay. things going on, but you're well, still, yeah. you're yeah. still broad strokes, still very correct. Yeah. But, well, and, and I mean, and I mean the 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 part that I find fascinating is it's all kayfabe. It's never not mm-hmm. kayfabe. Correct. But correct. as as Andrew was pointing out the intensity of the kayfabe is kind of what he's dialing up and dialing down or, 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 you know, how, how in character as the, in the ring Hulk are we getting? Exactly. And so when he was on Belzer's show, he was fairly calm throughout the entire episode, even while he was choking him out, (laughs) Belzer out. He Um, he, he didn't, he didn't have that hyper aggressive, like face, type of mentality when he's on that show uh and we see that like consistently uh when he's on the show his audio uh, wwe or wwf when he's on air he is playing his Hulk Hogan to 11 mm-hmm. but he, if he's depending on who the primary audience is or the situation on the show he changes mtv he's much more aggressive richard belzer uh, he's much more calm, mainly because Booker T uh, is um, Mr. T. Mr. Mr. T. Booker, Booker T, T is comes another wrestler years. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Mr. T comes on years uh, comes on much more hyped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to be a little bit more calm. Uh, what mm-hmm. other episode was the other one that made me think about this? Was I thought about this a lot uh, when it came to his. Um, deposition when he was um when they were when he was serving as a witness for the prosecution in that one case in the steroids trial yeah yeah and how whole at the end uh vince mcmahon was mad at him Mm -hmm. even though vince mcmahon won i think all that was kayfabe completely um but i also think i think hulk hogan's audience and that situation wasn't the jury. I think he was presenting to Vince McMahon. Oh. I think he's he's playing kayfabe to Vince McMahon, saying, like, I know what we've done. Mm-hmm. But I'm letting you know either one of two things. One, I'm going to not say everything, but present it in a certain way. Or two, I just want you to know you don't have full control over me. I think that part especially. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I see that. That's that's some like TV drama level shit there. Well, that it makes sense like, in a does. lot of ways as From a we've seen, perspective like, especially. Yeah. 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 Wow. And then and then we get into Arsenio Hall who this is the one that made me start thinking more about his media appearances, mainly because in a lot of ways on the other shows, mm-hmm. he was in a way playing, he wasn't playing defensive. He was kind of like playing to the audience and in a off in a offensive way. But when he was on Arsenio Hall, he was much more defensive, mainly because Arsenio Hall is a great interviewer. And mm-hmm. so he was trying to literally get more in-depth questions. And Hulk Hogan went, 
way too defensive to a point that he had to figure out a way to connect with Arsenio Hall's audience in not really the best manner. Now, Arsenio Arsenio Hall's audience, just real quick, is very friendly to pro wrestling, Mm -hmm. but it's also distinctly different from Carson's audience at that time. Um, Let's see. At that time, yeah, Carson was still on the air. Letterman's audience at that time. Um, it's distinctly different from theirs. Arsenio yeah. Hall's audience was notably younger. Yeah. Notably. Like I was a regular viewer in 91 and I'm, so that was, I was 16. So we're talking college students. Oh, Fuck no. you. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, it was, it was teenagers. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, or like, yeah, it was, it was, it skewed much younger uh Johnny Carson was for my grandparents um you know uh Letterman would have been for my folks except my folks never stayed up that late at night and they both thought David Letterman was a jackass I was gonna um, say they would have found Letterman to be too subversive and chaotic I would imagine Knowing, well, just an asshole your family history well one my family history but just yeah. two just just his his yeah anyway um um and so but but Arsenio Hall was uh he was reaching out to a more diverse younger mm-hmm. uh much more focused on POC audience yeah. uh whereas both uh Carson and Letterman were <laughs> their audiences were lily white very um, much so and and you know Carson was was the silence and uh, Letterman was was a certain set of the boomers. So yeah, yeah. and yeah. and so so he so so Hogan reaches for the for the one the one example, you know that immediately jumps to mind. Exactly. And and, and do you th- well let's oh. let's let Andrew tell that. Yeah, story. go go ahead, go ahead. And so. It, that's basically where I'm getting at. Like, because he knew Arsenio Hall's audience is much more younger and diverse, he just tried to like cherry pick like who is in the mo- news the most at that time. And it was Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert: not a lot of people of diverse backgrounds or pe- uh, people of color like Clarence Thomas. Uh, <laughs> and I think in a lot of ways he chose Clarence Thomas for one. He was predominantly in the media. But he made the point that, like, instead of, like, talking about, like, the other stuff that was controversial at the time, like the sexual assault allegations against Clarence Thomas, um, he brings up this, like, one little thing about, like, him saying, I smoked pot in college and I never smoked again. And I think he was basically, in a way, like, stereotyping uh, people of color in a lot of ways. But also the other big thing is, like, Hulk Hogan's fairly conservative. Um, and he was just thinking to himself, oh, who do I know? Oh, this one person of color who happens to be conservative. And because these are my worldviews, other people might appreciate mm-hmm. this worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, what's the worst thing he's done? Oh, smoke pot. <laughs> Certainly not sexually harass a black woman who is yeah, a no. professional. No. And uh, right. I think if he... Yeah. I honestly think one, if he had more time to think about this, he might have <laughs> chose somebody more like approachable, and he wouldn't have come off so defensive and aggressive in that in that episode. Compare himself to Pee Wee Herman, say. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who took his future into his own hands. Exactly. It was a along with moment. some other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So so here's here's a question for you based on like this. This is this is the first time that we've seen Terry Balea nay Hulk Hogan um, in a media environment like this one make this major a misstep like this is this is he comes he winds up coming off looking defensive and desperate and it it it's it's a it's a seriously putting a foot wrong which he we have not seen him do before and my my question there is because you said earlier uh, you gave credit to Arsenio I think I think fittingly you gave credit to Arsenio for being a really good interviewer do you think part of the issue here was that this wasn't a situation where Hogan was just able to immediately take control of the conversation? And when he didn't I... like step into it, winning from the jump, he didn't like, he didn't know how to handle it. I think so. I think so. Because like in all the shows that he's mm-hmm. been on, um, he has always played to the audience and the audience loved him even when he was choking Richard Belzer out. Um, and granted, he took control of that situation mm-hmm. in a very dark way, if we think about it. In a very kinetic way. But he did. Yes. In this yeah. in this situation, he had no control. He had no ability to present himself in the way that he wanted to, and it went off the deep end for him. I so think, I absolutely agree with you. I think there needs to be a little bit more nuance to this. Number one, um, we don't genuinely know his uh, his motives, right? We're guessing at these things. These are what we are alleging. I'm just saying that for legal reasons in case somebody actually listens. Um, <laughs> number two, the other ones, he is there to promote something. He has a mission. He has mm-hmm. a brand. And he is pushing that brand for that mission. This time, he is coming out to clarify something for himself. He is not promoting a show. He's not promoting a movie. He's not promoting himself even. He is coming out much more as a person and much less like a shill. And the result Mm. is when he doesn't have a mission in front of him, he he does not have as much kayfabe armor as he does in those other times. I think that's a way better way of explaining it in a much more elegant way than I was. Well, you know, I'm I'm not a communications major, so I can I can do that. Uh, <laughs> no, you're you're. It's funny. Uh, I know some professor, a professor who's like an expert in relationships and marriage, and they've been divorced twice. So they're a veteran yeah. of two marriages. Yeah, I understand. Exactly. This, know, this yeah. is why my advice is more appropriate for other people than than uh, either Ed's or yours. Um, because I have gone through two marriages full cycle. Ed's still in the middle of his second, and that's and that's fine. That's fine. But he is not the veteran that I am. And you run a podcast, and we all know that the smartest, most communicative people in the world have successful podcasts. Exactly. Actually, it just comes with the white well, guy with the beard starter. Yeah, no, yeah, that's so. exactly yeah, what like, all three of us have hi. beards. Yeah, I, I yeah. wish I wish our audience could actually see our Zoom call I'm right glad now. They can't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would say we have a great deal of diversity amongst our, our guests because we always have different colored beards. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of 
when's it the last hurts, time we had a guest? But it's true. That was not a bearded man. Tessa. Yeah, okay, there's Tessa. It was Tessa. That's... And then other than that, I think it's Bryn Tannehill and that's it. And when yeah, and when and when Tessa yeah. was on the show, um, we had Sean on the show and right. He's also a white guy with a beard. Hi, Sean. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. So, mm. all right. Well, oh, okay. Boy. So that's Hurts, but it's true. Remember that. Let's put a pin in that. His his picking the nearest black target he can, and then speaking to a stereotype that he thinks will play with the audience, because that is going to show up uh, later on. Maybe not in this uh... episode, but in the next. And people and, don't learn. Yeah. Well, why would you if you're rewarded for your mistakes? <laughs> when um, you when you manage to fail sideways or upwards, there's no need to learn anything. Exactly. Like so. So he he puts his he puts both feet wrong on uh-huh. Arsenio Hall. Uh huh. And it doesn't really like nothing really happens. He doesn't really pay for it. Like he because the federal lose government really fucked money. up its case. That's really yeah. what happened. Was the federal government overreached in some ways? Yeah. Um. And ultimately, the the people who were involved in the investigation and the people who were involved in legislation that they had kind of broken didn't understand kayfabe. They genuine and and it's that 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 kayfabe. I I call it kayfabe armor that wrestling has. It exists. It is. It is. Uh, it's Schrodinger's sport. It it it's, exists. It's like it's as a liminal... both a yes and a no. It's a liminal reality. It is. It's it's neither. It's not really in either place. Neither fish nor fowl. Yeah. Yeah. So now, as I'd said before, remember Hulk Hogan is is in the WCW. He's bringing celebrities to Ted Turner. Ted Turner has a lot of money um, and a lot of mainstream exposure for Hulk Hogan again. And as I had said previously, I believe in episodes five, six, seven, eight, and nine, um, the Lost Cause episodes, Hulk Hogan grew stale after a couple of years in a Southern territory. Ultimately, even though it's a national company, it's still very much a Southern-based territory, and the culture of those who watch it are still very Southern. And he grew stale because you don't have a good guy taking on all comers and defeating them. You have Lost Cause methodology. So after a couple years of stale growth... Um, Hulk Hogan shows up at Bash of the Beach 1996. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. I got to take it back to Bash of the Beach 1995. Um, at Bash of the Beach 1995, he has a cage match. Um, and he has Dennis Rodman as his second. This is the first time that Dennis Rodman shows up on WCW. This is 95. Now, this, this episode actually shows up on a 1996 episode of Baywatch. So he's stale to the wrestling audience but the spectacle that he's bringing eyeballs to including the most famous show in the world at the time it's him versus him and savage versus vader and flair at a cage match on the beach with dennis rodman seconding him um and it shows up in a 96 episode of of baywatch okay so hold on Um, the Arsenio Hall appearance was 91. Uh huh. And we've jumped to 95. Well, because Andrew wanted to come back to something in 90. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. It was was a a return to the I was just, okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Just making sure. So, and in, and in the, in the ensuing time. Uh huh. Remember, he'd done Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. He'd he'd been in, okay. So he'd had, he'd had all of this other media exposure. Right. 
and now he's back in wrestling okay. starting in in 94. the WCW. Right. Right, because so, Ted Turner and mm-hmm. and Vince McMahon had a had a hate thing. Yeah, going. a hissy fit. Yeah, uh, billionaire battle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and now Hulk Hogan continues to saturate and saturate and saturate in wrestling again, but also he's starting to take little bit pieces and he's starting to take small movies and doing very little with them at this time. Um, and then, of course, he turns bad guy. He goes heel. Um, and, uh, he ends up doing several movies between his times in the ring because he kind of turns part time as far as the wrestling goes. Um, and so, uh, he, he starts taking more and more movies in between, uh, for instance, secret agent club, uh, was, was a movie that he did. Um, it included James Hong, um, Santa with muscles, uh, which included Garrett Morris, Ed Begley, Clint Howard, and a very young Mila Kunis. Uh, the made-for-TV movie Assault on Devil's Island, which included Carl Weathers, Martin Cove, Shannon Tweed, and Billy Blanks. Uh, McKinsey's Island, which included Grace Jones and Brutus Beefcake as Jet Skier 1. Uh, a cruel bit of casting, I think, considering what happened to Brutus Beefcake's face due to a woman riding a jet ski just a few years earlier. Um, he also did Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain with Jim Varney, Lonnie Anderson, and Victor Wong. Uh, Victor Wong. Okay, you may... wait. Yeah. Stop. Oh, stop. Okay. Stop. Sure. Jim Varney. Yes. Ernest P. Worrell. Yep. Know what I mean? Mm. No. Know what I mean? Yep. Okay, Vern. Yep. I... And he had Victor Wong in this movie, who had played Egg Shen in Big Trouble Little China. Victor Wong. Um... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Egg. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so. No, I, yeah. All of these roles that he took clearly were for the paycheck and to keep his SAG status because it's not like he was box office draw. And what years were these? What was the time range? This is gen- This is basically between 96 to 98. Okay. All right. A few of these, I think, might have predated his NWO run, but... By and large, this is 96, 98. So he starts part-time wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so he'll go away for two weeks of production here, there, and everywhere. He'll have recorded pre-recorded scenes and stuff like that to play at the top and the bottom of the hour kind of stuff. Um, or he just doesn't do any house shows. And he only shows up for the Nitro and, and stuff like that. I'm just making sure you didn't miss his most significant movie role. Oh, we, already we haven't Noble reached Shard. it. No, no, way oh. better, more important. Oh. It happened in 1999. Oh. I'm looking at my notes right now and I don't know that I have it. When I get when I get there, step in with okay. me cuz I'm a little All right, I will. myself. So the yeah. real white hot aspect of his career was recreating old feuds that had been useful and helpful in the WWF. Uh, but then using the NWO to do so. So he's literally inverting them all. Um, he, uh, he, Roddy Piper shows up. And now Roddy Piper is the good guy. And Hulk Hogan's the bad guy. The Ultimate Warrior shows up. Uh, countless other foes from yesteryear, as well as making sure that he buries new talent. And always with Hollywood Hogan. He's now calling himself Hollywood Hogan, not Hulk Hogan. He, he, publicly abjures himself from that name he insists on being called hollywood hogan 
It's always with him at the center of the storm, and it's always with him having creative control over his matches and his storyline. Now, this is a thing that's largely unheard of up until this point. The booker has control. The booking committee, if it's WCW during certain times, have control over what you do with your character. Hulk Hogan straight up would be like, I'm not going to do that because that's that's not what my character would do. And it was now it doesn't mean that other other wrestlers didn't do stuff like that. They absolutely would. But it's a negotiation. Hogan had it written into his contract that, nope, if I say no, it's a no. He also gets now, an appearance. Yeah, go ahead. Is he able to get away with that just because it's his, in his contract? It, so, yes. Well, oh, like, yeah. I, I nobody mean, else. I, has yes, I know he got control. away. I, I, I know he yeah. got away with yeah. it. I'm saying yeah. is the reason he was able to get away with that. Just the fact that he was the name uh-huh. that like anybody, any rando on the street wouldn't. If you said who's Hulk Hogan, everybody like anybody on the street would understand who you were talking about. Somewhat. Okay. There's also, I would agree with that. Yeah, there's also you you have <clears throat> the I'll put it this way. Think of a class that you know do not ever want to teach. Got it. Okay. okay. And, I'm and, there. You, and you've done it before. Let's say that it's yep. a class that you've taught before and you don't ever want to teach. And your dean or your principal comes up to you and says, What will it take? And you say, I want this specific prep period. I want a $10,000 a year raise. <laughs> I want my own parking spot and I want somebody to make all my copies. And then they turn around and say, done. Okay. You're like, fuck, right? Son of a bitch. So Hogan yeah, okay. could come back to wrestling. <laughs> okay. That's that's essentially what Ted Turner promised him. Yeah. Was, was like, I, I, want, I want you. Yes. Because you have the name recognition that I can make all the yeah. money in the world and also i will have the big name from the wwf which uh-huh. will just make vince mcmahon spit nails well vince mcmahon yeah. had already gotten rid of nails back in 1991 you yeah, yeah. sorry yeah sorry sorry i would also actually like, done by the way thank you yeah no excellent i would also add like another big contribution was that mm-hmm. hulk hogan did help with like a lot of like pr uh yes. to build up wcw by like inviting all these celebrities and like mm-hmm. helping um did they did they they had multiple like wrestlers in the wcw and his tv shows right oh yeah 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 that i i don't think so there's cross i think that was going on yeah, yeah exactly and i think that was a big thing that hulk hogan contributed absolutely and as a result, he gets an appearance fee, appearance fee of $250,000 per pay-per-view that he appears at. What the fuck? Yeah, that's in addition to his salary. So any, I have read Hulk Hogan's contract with WCW because it's been released. I'm sitting there going, oh my God, like the, the excess here. It just like, I swear Why to God, the they're sitting around going like, what else can we throw in there? What, why, why, why didn't I pay more attention in PE? Right? Like, shit, so, I got in the wrong business, Well, man. you did do the oh theater part, but yeah. yeah but, but in addition to his salary, so anytime he shows up on a pay-per-view, he automatically gets 250K. This means that any pay-per-view you got him on, you're going to want to advertise like a motherfucker, right? And yet, and at least two yep. pay-per-views, he shows up as a surprise. The reason Mm. for this 
is that WCW was never a wrestling company. It was a television company. And if you drive interest on, and, and so wrestling company, WWF, everything was geared around get people to come out for the pay-per-views, get people to spend money on the pay-per-views. TV supports pay-per-views. WCW it was the inverse. Yeah. Get people talking. Okay. And tuning and get in. Get everybody to tune in to Then Friday you get the ratings, night. and that's where the advertisement uh, goes. Okay. For whatever they're. Yeah. Thursday yeah. night, Friday night. Well, Nitro, yeah, there's Monday Thursday Nitro. Nitro. Yeah, you had Monday the, Nitro. the Monday Night Wars. You had Monday Nitro. Later on, you'd have Thursday Night Thunder, which then turned to Wednesday Night Thunder. You also had Saturday Night Wrestling. There was a few other shows. Okay. But yes, you I need mean, to that's... get you need to get everybody's eyeballs on screen, right? And so, okay, so yeah, inverse yeah. that makes sense. All right, and with all that mainstream uh, attention, you're also you're just trying to get around everybody's water coolers. You really are. Okay. Yeah. You know? All right, that's fair. Now, at one point, all merch sales, all merch sales of WCW were credited to Hulk Hogan rather than the stars for whom it was developed. This could have been um, stupidity on the part of because they didn't have the merch department that WWF had. Right. So this could have been uh, was the incompetence. Okay. It could have also been somebody being like, well, let's see how long we can get away from away with it. And what happened was, I believe it was Chris Jericho, his I think girlfriend or something went to a hot topic and bought a Chris Jericho t-shirt or a doll or something like that. And on the receipt, it said one Hulk Hogan t-shirt or something. You know, it said a Hulk Hogan product. And she showed it to him and he's like, What the fuck? And so Hogan's getting all the credit for all the sales. Now, could that be that oh, Kleenex is a brand gosh. name? And when you say hand me a Kleenex, I know you mean a uh, tissue. How did could it be? Or how, yeah. How did Hogan not get ambushed like behind the scenes by three guys with lead pipes? Because like, if, if he shows up on a card, you know you're making more money. Wow. Even if he's gonna grift. And Fuck I don't think me. I'm I'm not gonna say that he I'm I'm not assigning any motivation on his part. Pay attention, attorneys. Yep. Oh, oh my God. That's amazing. Wow. Oh. He, okay. So, so literally, he has gotten into a position, whether he made himself that way or not. Because mm-hmm. the phrase that comes to mind is he has made himself so indispensable. But no, no, we, we, we don't want to assign motive for, or, well, that's not motive. There. That's just consequence. Okay. But, yeah. but he yeah. has, he has become so indispensable to the product. Mm-hmm. That he can get away with contract yep. terms that fuck over. Yes, literally everybody else he's performing with, all of his colleagues. Yes, and he's making enough money for all of them that that the over and under is such that like it pisses them off, but they have to choke it down. No, I, it was they didn't know because WCW was so bad at doing merch for so long okay. that it was right. never anybody's revenue st- stream in that company. No, okay, except right. for him, because he came in with the Hulkster stuff. He came in with the the red and the yellow, and then when it switched to NWO, he got a cut of the NWO shirts. Okay. So did the other guys who were who were showing and uh, uh, okay. Hall. Um, so then when other people start to like, I mean. Dean Malenko was not counting on T-shirt revenues for his yeah well uh, yeah, I mean yeah stone uh, you know thing. yeah he, he yeah. wasn't you know yeah so you wouldn't know yeah 
Yeah. Like, well, yeah, but then you find out and like. Well, yeah. And then, the and then it was fuck? corrected. But, okay. All right. But, you know, Jesus. So, uh-huh. so do we have any, I mean, do, do we have any idea? Can we make any kind of an estimate of how many Not dollars went into his pocket? Okay. No, because again, but, nobody but from WCW was relying was on doing merch. Fuck. Yeah. But that's still got to be, what do you figure? A couple hundred thousand dollars? Not for most. Well, uh, over the course of two years, over the course of a couple of years, all the merch monies. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe in the tens of thousands. Again, WCW okay. was garbage right. when it came to merch. Their stars were not paid for house shows. Their stars were not paid for appearances and stuff like that. Their stars, their wrestlers were paid flat rate. You come in at a certain rate. It was guaranteed money okay. and guaranteed dates. They were salaried performers. Exactly. Okay. So anything extra you made, I mean, it was yeah. okay. So so it was it was much more like a SAG contract, mm-hmm. and much less like a traditional wrestling contract. Yeah, and the problem okay. was, and a lot of wrestlers from WCW have said this: you didn't make top guy money unless you were a top guy, and you couldn't be a top guy if you didn't make top guy money. So if you came out in at 156k per year, you're not going to make it to the main event. They will never push you that high. You have to go away, get good, come back, and maybe you could command a higher salary. But only certain people at the and and again, bad booking, bad decision making, and and so on. But it was working once the NWO storyline got started. Well, it was working because the NWO storyline caught the public imagination. Yes. And at some point, the people running WCW had to like at least fall backward or sideways into some level of understanding what they were doing yeah they were jobbing for the nwo yes <laughs> and then you just wait for hogan's old nemesis to be brought in yeah okay all right fair all right um because you remember they're waiting for the great white face savior from the sky mm. sting yeah yeah you know th- th- mm-hmm. i i just i y- you know how ages and ages and ages ago mm-hmm. you said Every time you say the Eagles, I think Don Henley. Mm-hmm. Every time you say Sting, I think Fields of Gold. Like, Fair enough. I yeah. I, I picture Fade Rautha. I I yeah, can't no. and, like. And anytime you know, somebody mentions that Sting was in uh, Dune, I think, oh, was it Surfer Sting or was it Crow Sting? Like, <laughs> it it has to be Crow Sting. Right. It had it like yeah. I mean, you know, look, look at everybody else in Dune. They're all exactly. queens. Gotta be like black it, and white. I mean, it's yeah. gotta be, yeah. So anyhow, <clears throat> the Sorry. NWO storyline lasted until nineteen ninety eight in its first iteration, December of ninety-eight. Um, at one point on Thanksgiving, um, Hulk Hogan came by the Jay Leno show to announce his retirement and that he was running for president. This was November of nineteen ninety eight. Andrew, you look so disgusted. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, you got somebody who loves to play into populism mm-hmm. and then says he decides to run for president. Relies on kayfabe for, like, literally his existence. But yeah. remember, this is November of 98. Why is Hulk Hogan thinking that he should insert himself into the political sphere in 1998? I mean, like, some people love to announce that they're running for president, what, a year or two beforehand, Especially if they're a populist. This is pre-John Was he indicted? No. 
No, uh, yeah. Jesse Ventura had won the governorship of Minnesota. That's fine. Uh, and th- and Hogan's uh, like, uh, uh, well, if Jesse's well, doing all it, right? Fuck you, right? You're governor oh. of the state. I'll be president. Of the so he's States. trying to get so the what shine we're saying. Himself. Yeah. Oh my god! So what we're saying is because uh-huh. Jesse Ventura won mm-hmm. governor and eventually made like a great like train train system between yeah the Twin Cities yeah um the uh scab himself decides to uh try to one up him yeah Yeah. the uh the union buster himself right and jesse was a populist when he ran he was a populist i don't remember the actual party that he declared himself a part of i thought he ran as an he ran as an independent independent yeah, but I want to say that like the name, I and and it could be something wanna, we, we hold look on. up, but yeah, sure. Um, but I, I'll look it up. Yeah, he, uh, I, he, I want to say he was part of the popular party or the populist party or something to that effect when he was running for smaller office. Because remember, Jesse didn't just run for governor; he had been small town, uh, council. Yeah, the Independence Party of Minnesota. There we go. Okay, so, but but the interesting thing there is, you know, Jesse Ventura. I will also say he was yeah. also associated with the Green Party. Yes, he was. In, yeah. in, in 2020, mm-hmm. Independence Party, 2000 to 2003, and the Reform Party, 1998 to 2000. Yeah, he's been around. He, he yeah. yeah, he's an island unto himself. Um, yeah, he's he's forty percent of what he says is pretty dope, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, and on any given day, the forty percent changes. Um, he's you know, been but... pretty consistent about like you you can't be torturing people. Yeah, you you have to like take care of poor people. Yeah, you need to preserve the environment. Yeah, um, he's been pretty good about those things. It's yeah. it's the conspiracy theory shit that that's. Yeah, yeah, no, it's he's, like, yeah, he's we're, we're able bar. to separate. We're able to separate yeah. like, oh, shit, those are some awesome public transportations. Let's right. kind of ignore the fact that you believe that the government controls the weather. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll 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 gloss over that. Yeah, that's the you one. Know, he, that's the big thing that he conspiracy theory wise that he believes in. Yeah. Oh yeah, but but for for most of those folks and and Ventura is no different. Their their pet conspiracy theory winds up being tied to literally all the rest of it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and um what I what I find interesting there is Jesse Ventura like the fact that he started out running for local office. Mm-hmm. Is indicative of the fact that he was like Okay, I made I made a living as a professional wrestler, you know, after being a veteran and doing all this stuff. And like, no, he he really actually wanted to get into government because he was like, that shit's fucked up. I'm going to fix that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Hulk Hogan, whose whole motivation for getting into politics is, well, if he can do it, I fucking can. Well, and he's not really getting into politics. He's announcing his candidacy for president. Yes. This and is just wants the retirement. Attention. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's basically, oh, Jesse's in a news cycle. Let me get what shine I can and I'll get on Leno. Massive exposure. And and he gets that. And and then uh this is get this gets backed by a serious interview on Nitro with Eric Bischoff, um, where he talks and and now we've seen this in other uh iterations for other wrestlers where they they pretend to be seriously 
uh, retiring. And then of course they, they come back and fuck somebody up or whatnot. Um, yeah. And, and this Hogan does this, he comes back in January of 1999 um, to commit the pink, the finger poke of doom on Kevin Nash. Well, <sighs> um, so real quick before I get there, I need to correct something I said. I said that um, this NWO storyline lasted until December of 98. It lasted until December of 97. And then it kind of tripped and fell over itself and rolled into a ball of fire by February of 98. So NWO first version did last through into 90, 98, but not I, I, I mixed up my months. Okay. Um, so by November, Hogan retiring does kind of make sense. He's not retiring at the top of NWO height and fame. He's retiring when it's it's hardly anybody. Uh, I think you have the wolf yeah. pack at that time. Sting looks like a tomato. Um, and uh, so now Hogan comes back. Kevin Nash had been part of the wolf pack. And then the wolf pack is NWO wolf pack, which are good guy. Will, uh, NWO guys, it gets really fucking weird. They have a really cool entrance song. Um, but just look up Sting Wolfpack, W-O-L-F-P-A-C, and you'll see he just looks like he's been sunburnt. And Hogan comes back in January of 99 after a hiatus of about two months, and he does the finger poke of doom on Kevin Nash. Um, oh. And basically what that is is that he and Kevin Nash are going to wrestle for the title. Goldberg has just lost the title, and... There was chicanery all around, and Hogan is coming in, and he's going to set the record straight, and he's going to rescue WCW, and everybody's like, oh, shit, Hulk Hogan's back. You know, this is not just Hollywood Hogan. And he and Nash go to lock up, and then Hogan pokes him in the chest, and Nash takes a flat back bump, and Hogan pins him one, two, three. And Hogan's now the champion, and the NWO is back for a second time, baby. And we all know that the second time something happens is obviously the best time. Yeah. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Sure. He pokes him in the chest. Yes. Nash and he... falls on his back. Yes. And gets pinned. Making a mockery of the business entirely. Yes. And it's all okay. just a way to get Hulk Hogan back in charge of the NWO. And Nash gladly takes his, his place at Hogan's side. And it's Hogan and Nash and I think Lex Luger. Scott Steiner and Scott Hall. And then Goldberg comes to the ring and then they taser him and then they spray paint him. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, if you're Nash, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and again, in the WCW, if you're not one of the top guys, you're never going to make top guy money. Nash was top guy at this point. He okay, was the okay. one that ended right. Goldberg's streak. Okay, so yeah. so Nash Nash is high enough up. Yeah. Nash is Nash is high enough up that uh -huh. taking a ridiculous bullshit fall like that doesn't actually hurt him financially. Correct. Also so, because Nash was the head booker at the time. No. Fuck you, really? Yeah. Yep. What? Oh my <laughs> god. So like he's hey he, you he swerve did. the audience and they're gonna pay money to see you all get your asses beat and you just spend another year dominating everyone until we figure out how to pull you down again. There are there are so many levels on which that pisses me off. I'm not even a wrestling <laughs> fan. Like 
like like as a teacher of literature and stories i'm Uh like you all suck somehow palpatine returned (laughs) you know what even somehow palpatine returned like i know enough of the backstory sure of the star wars universe that i was able to be like well yeah i I mean i know right like yeah yeah, yeah. clones and shit whatever like okay fine (laughs) if you're if you're a new if you're a new new joiner to the franchise yes that's lazy ass writing i'm yeah yeah totally but even that is better than finger poke blood well oh my god you got me like it wasn't that hulk hogan's finger poke was so powerful it was I'm siding with Hogan and giving him my belt. This is Andre handing the belt to Ted DiBiase. This is not Hulk Hogan having a magic finger. This is the two of them swerving everyone. Everybody. Fucking everybody else over. Okay, so he was part of the audience screw job. Yes. Yes. So it's the audience screw job. I like that. All these people that paid money. Fuck uh, y'all. I just want to know. Not a wrestling company; it's a TV company. Yeah, I just want to know how did the audience respond? Was there just like this moment of complete silence, or was there this just constant booing? The there was a moment of silence, and then there was a ton of booing. And Uh. the the NWO having reformed, um, and there were all kinds of questions that they had to answer about it later because there were two factions of the NWO. There's an NWO red and an NWO white. I mean, it just got so fucking convoluted because wrestling never is cut and dry. It's always building on the last thing, right? Um, but the audience was booing really hard. Um, but the NWO guys were hamming it up like crazy um, to the point where it was they were making fun of the business and they were making fun of the fans for liking the business. Um, but that was the thing in the 19 late 1990s, it was a deconstructive aspect of it. Like okay. Paul and Nash did that with the cool heel thing, like you could never bother them if you said something, it'd be like, ooh, you know, and it, 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 it okay. the cool heels don't, don't make much money long term they certainly did for that period of time yeah, but there's but, nowhere to go from it there. gets old yeah 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 so okay so yeah. so what we're saying is this is this is all an artifact of the same kind of thing that led to this period being the bronze age in comics yes and everybody everybody and their uncle being a fucking anti-hero yes and pouches up the wazoo and nobody being able to draw feet correct Okay. Thank God. So of all of that, yeah. a lot of yeah, knives and yeah. like sword people showing up all over the place. And, muscles yeah. on muscles. Guns yeah. akimbo. Yeah. Like, muscles yeah. like barnacles, essentially. Yeah. Gun knives, knife yep. guns. Knife. Yep. Gun knives. <laughs> guns <that> shot <clears throat> knives. <laughs> yeah. Guns. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So okay. Hulk Hogan uh, actually suffers a legit injury in April of 99. I think DDP breaks his knee or something or strains it really badly by accident. Um, and he disappears for a while. And the WCW begins unraveling faster and faster and faster. This is April of 99. Hogan comes back in the summer of 99 as a face for the first time in three years as a legit face um, wearing the red and the yellow again. But okay. Hogan had nagging injuries, and like I said, WCW was unraveling. Um, and frustrated with all of the above, Hulk Hogan gets into a creative pissing match with a a Booker, uh, who I'm sorry is just awful. I mean, he he really was Vince Russo. Um, and and oh, 
man, that guy sucked. I, I'm sorry. Some people might really like it, but I, you know, objectively, he was bad. Um, But in June of 2000, Hulk Hogan and Vince Russo are in a pissing match. And essentially, Vince Russo's approach was smash TV, Jerry Springer the hell out of everything. The belt is a prop. Wrestling doesn't matter. So the matches get smaller. What matters is personal vendettas. So you get a lot more back backstage segments and you get like 40 of them through the course of a show. And so, so yeah, it sounds like Vince Russo is a is fundamentally a TV guy. Yes. Or a TV script writer trying to be a wrestling promoter. Well, and in as fairness, opposed to being a wrestling he had, promoter, he had been a writer for Vince McMahon and a booker for Vince McMahon during the Attitude Era. But he had a break on him. Vince McMahon would be like, no, no, no. Let's slow that down. And Vince Russo absolutely oh, had plenty okay. of good ideas when he had somebody. He's George Lucas. Okay. He had plenty yeah. of good ideas when somebody <laughs> would be able to tell him no. You beat me. You beat me to saying it. Yeah. He needed somebody to say, whoa, 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 hold up. If you look at pictures We're of Vince Russo. You'll yeah. find that his beard and uh, chin are very similar to George Lucas's. Um, he doesn't sound like Kermit the Frog. Oh, see, that was going to be my I next know. question: is like, does he does he have that weird kind of no? You know, but okay. he's he's very New York Italian. Oh, okay. oh, Russo. Right. yeah, yeah. So Vince Russo uh, was doing this angle where basically he. Uh, it, it is going to be hard and convoluted to explain. Basically, Hulk Hogan was part of an angle that pulled the curtain back on the business, something that Vince Russo loved doing. So you wrote me a bad segment. You wrote me a bad match. You booked me like shit like that. Like where you're so, just, yeah. So it, it, just throwing yeah. kayfabe out like out Complete, the window. Oh, kayfabe's gone. Yeah. And, wow. and not even the shit in the ring is kayfabe anymore. It just... And then there would be some matches where it was, and then some matches where it wasn't. And it just... And Russo was counting on the idea that people aren't going to remember every 15 minutes. And so... <laughs> and, and if they do, just throw tits in front of them and and keep going. Oh, right. Um. So Vince Russo loved pulling the curtain back. Loved having like wrestlers go up to guys who are nowhere, and then it comes out that those guys are the writers. I mean, it's breaking the fourth wall kind of shit you know it's it's uh it's it's that moment where rick moranis goes uh he did it you know after like the the production assistant gets gets slashed yeah, yeah. um so russo loves doing this because he's a goddamn lazy writer who loved jerry springer more than he loved carnivals ultimately and jerry springer relies uh -huh. on pulling the curtain back carnivals rely on there being a curtain um so Hulk Hogan essentially pins a wrestler named Jeff Jarrett in the middle of the ring because Vince Russo comes out and tells Jarrett on the mic, gets on the mic and tells Jarrett to lay down for Hulk Hogan. Jarrett lays down in the middle of the ring. Hulk Hogan pins him. Russo holds up the belt and just throws it in the ring at him and, uh, and just leaves. And Hulk Hogan grabs a mic after being awarded the match and the championship this way and said, is this your idea, Russo? That's why this company's in the damn shape it's in because of bullshit like this. And he storms out. 
The announcers were shocked because they weren't in on it, and they told the audience at home that this was not a part of any production meeting. This was all supposed to be a work, though. Okay, so in other words, this was not shoot. This was supposed to be kayfabe. It's so kayfabe that it's kayfabe times it's, two. Like it's meta stream crossing kayfabe. the line, crossing the line it's, twice. It's neo kayfabe. Yes, yes. That's that's the terminology. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. <laughs> so this was all supposed to be a work. Then Russo goes out later and cuts a promo that goes from work into shoot territory. And the idea was, because he comes out there and talks about how there's wrestlers back there who are busting their ass and he'll be goddamned if Hulk Hogan ever comes back in this goddamn ring uh, and and on and on and how he's playing politics backstage and he's got non-compete clauses and he's got uh, creative control and I can't do anything as a writer, but I'm, I'm pushing all these guys so that they can entertain you and all this. And that would have set up Hulk Hogan. And this was this was the plan. It would have set up Hulk Hogan to come back as the real champion months later because he he had the belt, right? He left as champion. And Russo announced a match between Jeff Jarrett and Booker T to close the, to close the show. Booker T wins it, if I recall correctly. Um, and Booker T is just like a huge fan favorite. Everybody is behind Booker T. This is all cool. And we're moving forward. And the idea was that Hulk Hogan would come back after a few months and be like, you know what, Booker T, you've been a great champion, but you've never beat me. And I'm the real champion. I won that night. The guy that you beat was no longer champion, therefore. And it would have made, hopefully, for good TV and good money and on and on and on. That's what it was supposed to do. Now, look at how okay. look at how much we have torn away from kayfabe. Look at how much Hulk Hogan and his avarice and his shittiness as a union buster and all this kind of stuff is kind of being played in front of the camera now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how it was supposed to work. The problem was he goes further than Hogan or Eric Bischoff thought that he would. And he says, quote, this is Vince Russo says this, and this is the part that goes further than Hogan. Now, Hogan is on a plane with Eric Bischoff, so they don't get any cell service back in 2000 when you're 30,000 miles up. Mm. Right? They're on a private plane flying away because they were working the boys. They were working everybody, right? So you're making right. it look right, really right. real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Russo says, quote, Hogan got his wish. He got his belt and he went the hell home. And I promise everybody or else I'll go in the goddamn grave. You will never see that piece of shit again. And then he goes on to say mm. that Hulk Hogan's belt didn't mean shit. And he went on to call Hulk Hogan a bald son of a bitch. Oh. Yeah. Now, Brad Siegel, who's the head of WCW at the time, told Russo not to call Hulk Hogan on Monday because he costs too much to keep in the company and they were going to let Hulk Hogan go. What was happening was there was a takeover of power and Ted Turner was being shoved to the side and he's the only one that really supports the wrestling. Brad Siegel is getting WCW and Turner ready for the AOL merger. Get rid of the big oh. contracts. So Brad Siegel takes this moment to say, don't call him, do not make nice, we're going to let him go anyway. And that was the problem because Hulk Hogan was never seen again on WCW programming. So it looked like at the very end, he did not have creative control. 
Now, the only other person who had anything approaching creative control in about a three-year span of that was at the end, the last 30 days of his contract, Brett the Hitman Hart had reasonable creative control. In many ways, this looks like a much shittier, poorly produced, pulling the curtain back version of a screw job. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And the thing was, he and Russo and Bischoff and Jarrett were all supposed to be working this. And because he went too far and because Brad Siegel's like, all right, <laughs> this guy costs too much money. Don't call him to come back. Let him stay pissed. And you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna stop paying that guy a lot of money. Um wow. So there's and a this is in, yeah, and this is in April of ninety-nine, correct? No, no, no. This is in uh I want to say June of two thousand. Oh, okay. April of ninety nine, he got injured. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Then I just want to say we missed the oh. most significant film moment for him yes, we did. his most important cinema impact i would say yeah yeah mm. tell me his role as the man in black in muppets in space <laughs> oh my god you're right i even mentioned gremlins last episode but i didn't mention muppets in space i am ah. Uh, i apologize it's it's Geek Timers, it's been a good run, but clearly I <laughs> I have outlived my usefulness. <laughs> That's why I had mentioned like oh, all the Muppet stuff in early episodes because I wanted to bring up him in Muppets in Space, where Do he it. plays yeah. a basically an FBI CIA agent who works with Bobo the Bear, of course. Right. And, right. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. Yeah. And I, no, I, if, I can't remember yeah. it fully, but I I do remember him like. <laughs> Wearing a suit with no sleeves. Well, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The pythons yeah. are a trademark. Like, come on. What do I you also mean? thought. I also thought when you mentioned that Russo sounded like Kermit the Frog, I thought you were going to allude like, "Oh, he left," and then Muppets in Space came out. Nope. I thought you were planning that joke. No, no. Nope. I completely uh, missed it. I completely, uh, one of one I, of the few occasions failed. on which he he did not build up that brick joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is the king of the yeah. brick joke, but that's an emperor level trick right there. Yeah. I I apologize to everyone. Um I don't. I don't, so, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I failed. So so when <laughs> when all of this happened, and, and I mean understanding that of course, you know, every mm -hmm. every source we have for, for any part of this is unreliable as all hell. Mm-hmm. Do we know, like, did did Hogan or anybody ever say anything to the effect of, like, Hogan really thought he'd been screwjobbed? Or... Yeah, there's been a lot of podcasts that have talked about this from right. the positions of the people who were there. Now, you can never believe Vince Russo. You need, well, when you believe Vince Russo, you, you need to make sure to have a salt lick. Okay. Um, Eric Bischoff <laughs> is the other direction. Um, but Eric Bischoff has a lot more operational knowledge of things. He's a much more convincing uh, discussion of it. But again, I would I would keep a salt lick there. Jeff Jarrett himself has spoken on his podcast. Um, and he he is one to kind of he's he's been through AA, I think. So he okay. he's a little bit more about telling the radical truths. 
Okay. Um, doesn't mean he won't embellish or, but okay. he, he has by and large kept, kept pretty much the same story. Um, so those are the three that were mainly involved in it, plus Hogan. But you, you, I mean, you have. To I mean, have nothing. For that. There is no reality when no. you deal with him. Um. So, uh, so yeah, the, all stories seem to hover around. We meant it as a work, and then it turned into a shoot. Now, as to the point at which it turned into that shoot, is the thing that's debatable. It seems. Okay. Um. If, if you discount most of Hogan's account of things, because you kind of have to. But based on Bischoff, uh, Russo, and Jarrett, there there is a consensus by and large that it it was a work that got turned shoot at some and and where it broke down is is what differs between all of them. Okay, and and so Bischoff, you were saying mm-hmm. Bischoff and Hogan were on the same airplane together. Yeah, they left the uh, the event together. Okay, uh, Bischoff and Hogan were tight. They always have. Been. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then then they land and their phones have both been blown up of like, yeah, have you seen what? this shit? And yeah, uh, that by the accounts that I have have chosen to believe, to, mm-hmm. you know, it, it unleash my inner Livy um, by those accounts <laughs> that I've chosen to to agree with. Uh, it seems that it went too far. OK. So now truthfully, Hulk Hogan was very expensive to the company. In addition to not getting a cut of the Postamania monies, WCW also, uh, they, they paid him a $2 million signing bonus. They then, now this is a new contract that he's got. Okay. So you remember before it was 250 K to appear. Yeah. Okay. This, that was when business was fucking booming. Right. This, this this ship is sinking. I mean, it is it is like if the Hindenburg hit an iceberg and landed on top of the Lusitania. Like it is, it is bad, <laughs> right? At, yeah, yeah. At this time, Hogan gets a two million dollar signing bonus. He gets a minimum guarantee of six hundred seventy five thousand dollars for every pay per view he's a, he's appearing on. He gets in addition to that fifteen percent of all pay per view ticket sales for the ones that he appears on. Not profit, all sales. He also gets 25% of the gross ticket sales every time he appears on Monday Nitro, anytime he's on a house show, or on Thursday night, later Wednesday night, Thunder, um, with a minimum guarantee of $25,000 and $20,000 per month for just wearing NWO shirts when he's doing promos. So if you just wear an NWO shirt, you get $20,000 per month. And then he gets $175 per diem uh, for every day he travels. And, of course, he gets creative control. What I'm saying is that Hulk Hogan was treated just a little bit less than, like, some school superintendents in the area. Um, (laughs) I'm exaggerating. (laughs) Not by much, though. No. I mean, Um, fuck. I mean, that's that's basically what happens when you work with the Muppets. I'm just saying. That's true. I mean, you, yeah, get the, okay. you get that you know, felt yeah. rub, and uh, exactly. Yeah. So now this leads to a defamation suit by Hogan <laughs> against Russo because Russo said in his promo, "I will make sure you never see that asshole again," and then that actually happened, and so that oh. makes it look like Hulk Hogan doesn't have any power, and that's defamation of character. Um, and so it also is a breach of contract suit against WCW because they were like, cut that was, 
that was going to be that was going to be my next question. Uh-huh. Was like, wait, they signed a contract, like right. <laughs> now Hulk Hogan right. then gets countersued by WCW because they say that he breached his contract by refusing <gasps> to wrestle at WCW Greed in March of two thousand one. That's the very last pay per view, by the way. Um, so they're wow. saying, hey, we called him in to wrestle that, and he refused to. And so both of those lawsuits were actually, I think all of those lawsuits got thrown out later because kayfabe okay. was really confusing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now Hulk Hogan would come back to the WWF, not yet the WWE in February of 2002. And at this point, he's still not doing much outside of wrestling, but it's also undeniable how well known he is. Right. He comes back as a heel, bringing back the NWO that's him and Hall and Nash into a time where Steve Austin is kind of coming down. The rock is getting into movies, but still very much a wrestler's wrestler. And there's a bunch of other wrestlers that are doing really well. Well, he brings back the NWO. This is Vince McMahon booking this by the way. And he sat Vince McMahon sat in on a booking meeting and straight up said, I want to hear everybody's opinion. And most people voted against bringing in the NWO, including Hogan. And Vince said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And it's his fucking company, so there you go. Okay. So, uh, over the objections of the booking committee, Vince McMahon brings back the NWO for what turns into an abortive attempt to recapture lightning in a bottle for a third time. Um, And Hulk Hogan would wrestle against The Rock in Toronto at WrestleMania 18 in a match that saw the fans turn Hulk Hogan face and turn The Rock heel for that night. Toronto fans are weird that way. Now, the last time Hogan was in Toronto, he lost to the Ultimate Warrior. He was supposed to come out and wrestle as heel Hulk Hogan. But when you watch the match, if you watch the match, you have to watch it with the sound on because without the sound on, it's kind of a shit match. But with the sound on, the audience is amazing. And they cheer Hogan and boo The Rock and the two of them in the ring, they call it and they're like, we need to switch roles here. And they do. And it's brilliant. And it's so good. Well, what happens is then Vince sees what happens. And so he's like, you know what? He sends the NWO down to attack Hulk Hogan or to attack The Rock. And Hogan beats them away. And then that turns Hogan face. And he ends up returning uh, in the red and the yellow after that. But he keeps the black beard and keeps calling himself Hollywood at that point. Uh, and essentially he turns his run. The the NWO kind of ceases to be partly because Nash tears a quad getting into the ring. Um, Ooh, of course. Yeah. Nash, Nash had, by the time he started wrestling, he had like 22 operations on his knees. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to now figure out how uh-huh. old would Hulk Hogan be at this point? Well, he was born in 52. So we're talking 50. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's been wrestling for 30 years? Yeah. Going yeah. on. Uh, close to 30. 70, yeah. 77 yeah. was when he started, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he started in like 74, 75. But yeah. Okay. Close to 30 years. Sweet. Chimney. Oh, yeah. And so oh, how long okay. then would Nash have been wrestling? Uh, Kevin Nash started later in life. Um, yeah. And so he started wrestling in the late 1980s okay so give or take 20 
around 20 years. Yeah, and, he's coming up on his 20-year anniversary at that point. And so at this point, because Nash destroyed his quads, what yeah. is the worst injury that Hulk Hogan received at this point? Uh, that point, let's see. I mean, he his hip at this point is killing him. True. Yeah, and like he ends up having hip surgery a couple years later. Like it's okay. it's bad. Um, yeah. a lot of his shit's deteriorating. I think he'd already had a well, knee cause redone because his yeah. his his signature move basically involves compressing his spine. Actually, he said that he wished he came up with a different finisher because <laughs> that that move has hurt him so bad. Yeah, and his yeah. finisher was the leg drop, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. No. I'm not doing that. Yeah, no. My back is hurting just ass. thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Landing, yeah. No, I mean, just man. splashing someone would have been so much better. Yeah. You know? uh, but, but okay. So he he goes or, on a nostalgia run. Poke. Yeah. The finger yeah. poke would have been go. good. Um, yeah. But he goes on a nostalgia run. He alternates between putting over younger stars and pumping up uh, people's nostalgia throughout the year, th- that year in 2002. The run was good for all the fun that it was, um, but it clearly was cashing in on nothing particularly new with him. And that's that's kind of what older stars will do, although it's Hulk Hogan. Now, eventually in July of 2003, Hulk Hogan quits after being frustrated with creative. Now, by this point, it's July of 2003 is about three months after or four months after WrestleMania 19. WrestleMania 19 is where he brawls with Vince McMahon um and over like who really created wrestling and they had this great storyline that basically played out their argument that they really did have of i made you no i made you no i made this company no this company made you and just i mean Mm -hmm. and they put you know vince smells money so they get really bloody together it's 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 a slobber knocker of a match to quote jr um roddy piper shows up and hits hogan in the head with the pipe uh, Hogan still manages to kick out. Uh, it's it's a fun little match, but like by July of 2003, Hogan is like he's like kind of floundering. He's like, I don't, you know, what are we doing here? Now, now Hogan is no longer wrestling it as Hulk Hogan at this point, by the way, because storyline wise, I think Vince McMahon had fired him for something or other. I think there was a one legged wrestler involved. Um, yeah, that was a thing. Uh. But um, you remember that uh, Hogan got dragged by the Undertaker on the back of a motorcycle at one point. It just it's fucking weird. Um, and it's clear he's an old, old man. I, um, I love I love, by yeah. the way, that, that this has gotten so out there yeah. that you're saying it's fucking weird. We're talking about professional wrestling. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. within the context of this of this milieu. Oh, yeah. You really have to get out there. To, yeah. to qualify okay so hogan is has been fired you know kayfabe fired so after hulk hogan gets kayfabe fired mr america comes back um and he's uh a a fellow who wears a blue mask and blue tights and it has an a on it um and he comes out to the song real american he does all of hulk hogan's moves and he has the same tan uh, but he's got a mask, you see. So I'm I'm kind of amazed they didn't just call him Nomad. Like, <laughs> well done, yeah, like, yeah. dude, yeah. And, uh, are and... you are you telling me there's a second character who is oddly reminiscent of a Marvel character? <laughs> <laughs> a bit, yeah. Oh, who knew? Um, huh. But so, and he. By the way, WWE at that point was still paying Marvel 
God, <laughs> how much remember. money? Like, okay, so they were yeah. paying. They were paying Marvel even uh-huh. when Hulk Hogan was in contract with them, right? Because. Yeah. It it's as long as Hogan's in wrestling, not as long as he's wrestling for WWE. Oh, what a brilliant contract! Oh yeah. Ah, uh, so uh, the, you the contract lawyer was for Marvel. You know the guy. Urban, you know the contract girl. lawyer as he was dripping slime was just like, oh, this is gonna get me so so good. Yeah. Well, uh, and the thing that like, gets me is how did Marvel still almost go bankrupt? Like you're getting eighty thousand dollars for free, like. A year, <laughs> like there, there were some really bad life decisions made. There on were a, on a corporate. Rob, they didn't work with the Muppets that time Yeah, period. that's true. So, they didn't work yeah, with the Muppets. Yeah, meaningful. So, but Hulk Hogan was not happy with the money that he was getting as Mister America, and so he quits as a result. Um, then it gets weird. What? <laughs> no. No, yes. you don't you get know, to say it again. When Hulk Hogan gets out of wrestling is when no. it gets weirder weird. than wrestling a one-legged okay. wrestler and getting yeah. dragged by the Undertaker, who Baker. at this time, if I recall, biker gimmick is taker. Yeah, biker gimmick. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. What's the one thing that's weirder than professional wrestling that we have on TV? Reality TV. And Hulk Hogan dips into reality TV. God oh, motherfucker! <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did I guess it? Yeah, well done. Um, I don't know, maybe because you major in this shit. Uh, yeah, so, true. Um, I mean, I've gotten a lot of things that Ed didn't, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling good about myself. You should, you should. Um, so yeah, he dips into reality TV in July of 2005. The VHN1 network, tired of playing music, uh, begins a two-year run of Hogan Knows Best. I uh, remember be- this. Yes. Because so do I, but not fondly. (laughs) I was a child and I was like, oh, yeah, let's watch this. And I don't know what's happening. Right. This is this is this is the same same impetus, the same Mm -hmm. the same. I use the word genius, but not in the traditional sense. I mean, I mean, the the same thought process Mm -hmm. that that led to um, what was the title of the show? But the MTV did the Osbournes. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that yeah. that predates this. I know. Yeah, I'm saying this is this okay, is the yeah, same. Yeah. This, this, is the this same, comes same, from that. Same, yes. same. Yeah, draws from the same pool. Oh my god! So because uh, if you really think about it, though, who is the most perfect person to have on reality TV? But a guy whose life has been a blur of kayfabe. Yeah, that's true. And that's so exactly our... what's going to help us know the truth from fiction in in a reality TV show. <laughs> Of and, course. Oh my God, shit was weird, dude. It, I watched it, um, and I, I then, of course, for this, I watched a bunch of it again. Hulk Hogan claimed on the show that he'd had his teeth knocked out six different times, and that he'd had his nose broken twelve times. Um, oh, well, you got him beat then. I do, I do. I've had my nose broken <laughs> twenty-one times. So <laughs> the most, <laughs> the most damn. recent time over the Atlantic. So, <laughs> yeah. How? Was it the Atlantic or was it over New York Harbor? I, no, it was I, over the Atlantic because okay. uh, we hit turbulence and oh, okay. my face okay. went right into I the tray was, that was sticking. Okay, I, I had misremembered yeah. the story. I thought it was as you were coming in for a landing. But, God, yeah. it was a funny... That's... <laughs> the next day finding out because I was so zonked. Oh, oh. So I'll, I'll just share with you real quick, Andrew, the story of my nose breaking. Um, I had taken a bunch of students over to Europe and was coming back. I slept maybe three hours a night that whole time yeah. because I'm making it good for my students, right? 
so That's finally we're on the, we're on the the plane ride back and i mean i had one student uh who was uh black and she kept getting singled out for you know security in europe yeah and so i i went and stood with her and they're like oh you can sit down i'm like she's mine i'm staying you know like no <laughs> uh turn your anger to me if you need to but no good for you so yeah and that's the uh, right thing to do absolutely so so i mean i i was hyper vigilant that whole time and they had a great time and it was wonderful and it was beautiful so on the way back i'm exhausted i finally just crash out i'm a big dude though so i can't lean on someone that's not fair i can't put the tray table down and lay down because i've got a, a bit of a a thing in the way there so I just put my head up on the seat in front of me like this and crashed out. Now, it's not good for your atlas at all, but that's fine. No. We hit turbulence at some point over the Atlantic, and suddenly we dropped. I don't know how many feet, but my head came down like this as the uh, – oh. And it just – and I I didn't really wake up much. I was like, oh, what? Uh, uh, whatever. I went back to sleep. That's how bone-tired I was. Now, I had a oh, friend man. who stayed with me that night. Um. And she told me, uh, well, she told me that I slept like I my body craved sleep, like I was drawing in all the <laughs> sleep from around. But also, at one point, I turned over and my nose brushed against the pillow. Ah! And it, <laughs> that's when I first figured out that it broke. Um, so I get up and I run to the bathroom because that shit hurts. And I'm feeling wet, warm all down my face and chest. I turn on the light. And the problem with turning on the light when you're in a dead sleep is your eyes will not adjust ever. So I'm just like no. waiting for the mirror to come into focus. And it never. And I just and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going back to sleep. Oh. And she says to me, she's like, did I hit you with my elbow? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to sleep now. I went back to sleep. The next day, I'm. I'm sitting on the couch. I, I made sure that my kids stayed away for an extra night so that I could just have a recovery day. I'm sitting on the couch and I touch my eyes. I'm like, ow. And I call her. I'm like, hey, did I dream this or did this happen? And she's like, oh, I thought I elbowed you. I was like, no, I think I broke my nose. And she's like, yeah, that's what you said last night too. And I was like, she's like, how'd you do it? I was like, oh, I don't think that was a dream either. And then I recounted the tale. Now that's the most recent yeah. time I broke my nose. And you um, broke your nose that way 21 times. Not that way. No, that's the only time it came up that way. I, it's, there's oh, God. Like football games, basketball games, jujitsu, kung fu. Like, I just have a face that people want to break. So, can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> now, Hulk Hogan is, and, and a lot of the breaks were like hairline fractures. Yeah. Right. So you can't do anything about that. Right. But there were some where I was like crooked nosed and I like got to the point where I just like was resetting it myself. Yeah. And then moving on with my day. And if you look closely enough, you do see that there's a little bit of a curve to it. But as we're speaking right now, yeah. um, uh, Damien had his head cocked to the side and his nose was straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so there's that. But anyway, Hogan claimed to have broken his nose 12 times. I actually think that that's likely. It's wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Getting your teeth knocked out six times. I think getting six different teeth knocked out. Sure. But those are among the things that I would be more inclined to believe prima facie. 
Six times makes sense in a long career, especially when you realize it could include chips and cracks, non-visible mm-hmm. teeth, and one at a time. The nose, absolutely. If someone potatoes you just so, sure. But other claims that he made are like a eh, little. So it goes on for four seasons, and it stretches over three years. Now, these happen to be the worst three years of Hulk Hogan's life to that point. Um, he agreed to do the show because his daughter, Brooke, fancied herself an up-and-coming musical star. And he saw this. <laughs> he saw this as a way to give her a bigger rub for fame, and so they played up all sorts of weird shit about how he was protective and his relationship with his wife and how spoiled his son was. And in his memoir, and I don't know if it's a memoir or autobiography, Hulk Hogan admitted that there were certain things that were contrived because union rates for filming his whole life to find TV-worthy content would be too expensive. And this makes plenty of sense. The amount of kayfabe that seemed to go on with the episodes was way too much, even for clever editing. Now, yeah, I was a child when this show Mm -hmm. was happening, and I remember seeing bits and pieces. Sure. How involved of kayfabe was it? To the point like his wife referred to him as Hulk? Or did she She refer to him as Terry? She called him Terry. But... Everybody around called him Hulk. And and this is a thing that wrestlers do. Now, one of his best friends down there at that time living in Tampa. Uh, a lot of wrestlers live in that area, by the way. Um, but one of his friends down there is Brian Knobs of the Nasty Boys. And he's kind of a syncophant to Hogan. And there were several episodes in which he was featured. Um, he calls him Hulk. It's, it's a not mm-hmm. uncommon thing to call somebody by their gimmick name if you have worked with them. It's just how it goes. Um, so, I mean, it, again, the blurring of it is so much because, I mean, reality TV itself is kayfabe. Yeah. You know, so it just so happened to coincide with his real life, having both peaks and valleys, like I said, deep fucking valleys, for instance, while he was doing that show, Vince McMahon called and said, how would you like to be inducted into the hall of fame in 2005? The 20th, 20th WrestleMania would be perfect. This leads to a short run through SummerSlam, actually, and it was a pretty cool run. Uh, but also, as the next two years wore on, Hulk Hogan's marriage ended. His son got into a horrid racing and underage drinking accident, which severely brain damaged a family friend. Uh, Hulk Hogan che- cheated on his wife with a good friend of his daughter's. Um, and Linda cheated on Hogan with a former high school classmate of their son and daughter. Uh, yeah the show ended wow (laughs) everybody's the asshole yes yes well everybody is maladaptive as fuck okay um the show ended due to this tremendous maelstrom of holy fucking shit um hulk hogan (laughs) (laughs) because if you look and, and don't you nobody needs to look this up but if you look up the the friend of nick hogan hulk hogan's son uh, and the car accident that they got in. It is horrifying. It is yeah. it is awful. It is the stuff of nightmares. Uh, it makes what happened to Brutus Beefcake seem tame. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's bad. My mom, uh-huh. when I was like driving like 17, 18, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. uh, there was times where I would just like be driving and mm-hmm. hang out with friends and I don't text my mom. Uh, in a timely manner and one day she just like 
took me to the side and like, I need you to respond to me. And she actually showed me that article. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. this, yeah. And, this is what yeah. I'm thinking. And, yeah. and his best friend, I think his name was John, was a veteran of yep. the ongoing war um, at the time. So there's all kinds of shit going on there. Um, so the show ends. Uh, Hulk Hogan goes to Memphis territory again for an abortive attempt to finally wrestle against Jerry Lawler. Um, that doesn't work. And then he goes to Australia for a run of his own show called Hulkamania, which essentially hired a whole bunch of people that he used to fight and wrestle. Uh, and it always ended with him and Ric Flair in main events spilling a lot of blood. So then... Cool. Into, yeah. It, it it It's old men wrestling, though. Like, it's really... I mean, sad. Yeah. I mean... It would it's, be like it's a geriatric league. It so, is. It is. And, yeah. and at this time, Hogan's back is killing him. His hip is killing him. You know, you you it's, are watching. You're watching. It, I can't even compare it to like old bands playing at the, like a casino because at least they still have the chops. Well, I would say, Ooh. yeah, kind of. But yeah, but maybe it's like kind of compare... and roses. And I was going to say the Rolling around. Stones. No, because the Stones stay in shape. Like, they, that's true. Like, Axel, yeah, Axel yeah, Rose Axel, was Axel the Rose. better egg. Yeah, or I, Motley Crue. Yeah, watching either of them run around. Yeah, Vince Neil. Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, maybe the, the Sex way, Pistols. Uh, maybe. Well, okay. I mean, see, but the Sex Pistols were a boy band to begin with, so they yeah, they were a fake punk band always. Yeah, well, and Nickelback. I say, I'm gonna just say this: Nickelback uh-huh. is more punk than the Sex Pistols. Wow. And I take you and heard that some. That's we're, something we're I've gonna... said for years. Okay. Oh. I would say it would be like reading a, a manifesto by, by Johnny Rotten. Um, or uh, Okay. Uh, yeah. Know. Yeah. That, um, that's fair. Right. That's, either way, Australia finally got to see Hulkamania. That's cool. Cool for them. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it is what it is. In 2009. Hulkamania diet. Yeah. You know, uh, the wish yeah. version of Hulkamania, you know? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2009, Hulk Hogan has a nostalgia run in TNA in which he ruined the shit out of everything good for that company. Um, and he opened the door for others to continue to kick that corpse for years to come. It was really sad, and I'm kind of resentful of it because they had some good shit going on in TNA. TNA, by the way, was named by Vince Russo a total nonstop action. Uh, yeah. Now, Vince Russo, he... He worked with Jeff Jarrett a lot, and again, when he's got a break on him, he does decent work. Uh, but there are a lot of problems with TNA in general, but there was a lot of good about TNA right around the time Hulk Hogan came in. Um, Hogan came in with Eric Bischoff as on-screen characters. They were getting paid by Spike TV, whereas the others were getting paid by TNA yep. Wrestling. Um, so it's, it, it was different. Um, and they immediately like really legitimately redid the Montreal screw job as an angle for Kurt angle to, to lose. Um, they redid the NWO takeover. They changed the ring from being a six sided ring to a four sided ring. So now it's much more similar to any other wrestling. Um, all the developing talent were shoehorned into different storylines and then rushed toward the titles. So it looked like he was trying to help talent get over. And the whole thing was a big fucking mess. There were, I, yeah, I, re- I just re- remembered a lot about TNA, mainly because, like, 
a lot of it was like, we're going to do WWE stuff or WWF stuff, but twist it around. Right. And the one that I still laugh about is that they tried to redo uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin mm-hmm. as a masked shark themed wrestler. Oh, Shark Boy. Shark no, Boy. That was absolutely a send up of it. And I still maintain that it is some of the best, best character oh. work I've ever seen. I love TNA. Like oh, I love yeah. Samoa Joe and like all I love the... Curry Man. Curry Man was Curry great. Man was great. He was Yeah, awesome. but like the yeah. funniest thing for me was with uh Shark Boy was instead yep. of like cracking beers, he cracked clam juice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was so good, Ed. You oh my god, it was great. And and he would do the, the head waggle and that's the fishing line because Shark Boy said so. And it's all nothing but like fishing and fish puns. And it was great. They even had like a um, Pike Street brawl. Um, yep. Where they're hitting each other with fish. That's so good. It was beautiful. It was one of my, it was oh. one of my favorite characters. Dark okay, Boy wait, wait. Yeah. Sorry. Pike Street brawl. Yeah. Yep. Was it in Seattle? It better no, be. No, but it was set up Damn. to be. Yeah. Okay. But like, I mean, they had just rows and rows of fish. And <sighs> of course, there were, you know, flounder jokes and all kinds of. Oh, Who was he so good. fighting against in that? That was him and Curry Man versus Team 3D. The, the oh, Dudley yeah. Boys. Yeah. The Dudley Boys. They were yeah. in there. Oh, it's so good. It was so <sighs> good. So yes. uh, he ruins TNA a whole bunch. Uh, and there were a lot of Vince Russo-like storylines. There were back backstage shit all over the place, right? Ownership issues, backroom deals, and not so much in the ring good stuff, which is what TNA did. Um, and there was, was this even before, yeah, was this before or after Sting was in TNA? No, oh, this is well after he's he's there still, okay. uh, while they're doing this. Um, this God is before he was, no, this is right around the time he turned into Joker Sting. So, yep, yeah, so yeah, because okay. he did that. Um, but now I'm remembering Hogan at one point even criticized WWE for not doing in ring stuff. And he swore that TNA, which he would now call Impact Wrestling, would be all about the wrestling, which is cool. Awesome. I'm tuning in. Here we go, because there are some really good fucking wrestlers there, right? The next episode, we saw 45 minutes of not wrestling before anything happened in the ring on a two-hour show. Like, it's like, God damn it. Um, And for the much of the next couple years, Hulk Hogan and the old guys dominated the main events, putting themselves ahead of younger talent who'd actually developed TNA, um, and many of whom ended up leaving for Japan, Ring of Honor, and even the WWE. Yeah. So that's... I know... Yeah, go on. I'm trying to think of other wrestlers. I know... I think that was the time... That's AJ Styles. Chris Jericho left. And then went to the WWE afterwards, after this whole debacle. Jericho never went to to TNA. You're thinking of Christian. I'm thinking of Christian. You're yeah. right. Yeah. There's they both begin with C Christian. Yeah. Chris. They're both Canadians yeah. and they had a they had a tag team together going for a little while in WWE. That's true. Yeah. Canadians all look alike. Uh, so. They that's true. My dad's Canadian and he looks See? exactly like Bret Hart. And Chris Jericho. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Um so. I'm remembering CM Punk went into TNA for a bit. He was there at the very beginning. Um, and then That's, he had an yeah. issue with Teddy Hart. Yeah. And it was a legit issue that they tried to make something out of and it didn't work. And CM Punk went to uh, Ring of Honor after that. And That's he had right. some really good matches with Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe bounced out for a while. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a who's who of has-beens and not-yets yeah. um, who end up being some of the most famous wrestlers in the world. Mm-hmm. Like half the Bullet Club came through TNA. The Young Bucks started in TNA, or maybe not started, but got their first real exposure in TNA. Um, my favorite were the Motor City Machine Guns. They were fantastic. Oh, I love them. They're so good. They were great. Yeah. So, yeah. so much potential. Completely wasted. Hogan made a lot of money there, though. And that's where yeah. I'm going to leave this episode, actually. So, what has everybody gleaned? What have we all learned? Hogan ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk ruins like <laughs> yeah rules yeah I mean it, it's it's just kind of weird seeing him kind of go and kind of like we're slow we're seeing this slow decline for him mm-hmm. and it could be like him losing his edge in media appearances sure new young bucks coming in his age all this stuff yeah well there was there was one moment where you where you mentioned um talking about the the nwo that he that he was doing is that he was doing his whole thing with his fake retirement from the nwo um, NWO after that had petered out true Mm -hmm. and it was and it was on it was on this downward slide and wcw was like you know disintegrating rapidly you know and and uh the the whole network was was being bought out by aol you know, and and one of the things that I find interesting is Hulk or Terry Belair, or however we want to call him, has this on the one hand has this genius for manufacturing his persona and controlling his persona, but he doesn't seem to have a gift for knowing. Okay, I'm I'm at the top. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to get out. He's so, riding everything. Yep. I'm going to challenge you on that because okay. that reminds me of people's critique of Jim McMahon, the the quarterback from the Chicago Bears, the 85 Bears. Right. The Bears. The, the Bears. Bears. Yeah. He was a champion. And then after that, he ends up being a third stringer on the Vikings for a while and shit like yeah. that. I think he ended up in the practice team. And why the hell wouldn't you? You're still making money. You're still making money hand over fist. Yeah. Even though it's not your peak earning. Yeah. You're still feathering your nest. And so shouldn't he? <laughs> like he's mortgaged. But his did body. he work well, with it the Muppets? It is. Good point. Jim McMahon did not work Jim, with the Jim Muppets. Jim McMahon did not work with the Muppets. That's yeah. true. <laughs> but anyway, so yes, Hogan did not leave at his peak. You're absolutely right. I don't think that he's obligated to. Well, I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to say that he's obligated to. I guess what I'm what I'm saying is there is there is a patina that that accumulates over your reputation, over your persona, over mm-hmm. your name when you linger in the public eye after your prime. Yeah, and for somebody who is so savvy about his persona, and somebody who seems to be so protective of his persona, right? Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that whatever his his impetus, whatever his internal motivation was, uh-huh. 
he wasn't able to let go. Like he was, he was, he, he. For as savvy as he was, he seems to have lost grip of it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's kind of, that's kind of what, what strikes me is, you know, he's going and he's doing, as you say, old man wrestling mm-hmm. in, in Australia. He's going and he's creating the situation in, in TNA where he and a bunch of other old guys that are, you know, riding his coattails because he's, he's the biggest name. He's literally the daimyo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're all there and, and they're, you know, sucking all the air out of the, out of the room for, for younger wrestlers. And part of the whole Hulk Hogan ruins everything is mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan isn't able to let go of being Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, 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 that's my, my addition to that. Cause I'm, I'm seeing the same thing Andrew's seeing, but my, my, my twist on it, I guess, is that, that I'm also like, to me, it seems weird that, that this is the way that's manifesting. It's yeah. And it's going to get sadder. Just so you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to agree with this. I'm just going to add this. I feel like this is kind of like, in a boomer thing, an old person thing in a lot of ways. Like holding on to the past as long as you can. Yeah. 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 No, I, I fully agree there. I uh, I also would say that there is something more selfish to it than just the emotional that it is. Especially with his like he makes the most money. Yeah. Especially at the expense with... of others. Yeah. I mean, this kind of goes back to his that last WrestleMania he appeared in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Who started it mm-hmm. who rep who is it vince or was it hulk right and him staying in it i feel like he it's kind of like it's me and he's yeah, holding and on to it as long as he can also that's kayfabe and a good way to make money though like it's a storyline mm-hmm. yeah true you know yeah. he's not insisting on main eventing you yeah. know so all right but but i still think you know and pulling on real stories is a way to get money yeah as as well and get a payday so so there's a there's a pecuniary aspect yeah, but that's at also the same time, important we yeah. saw him do this time and time again jesse ventura talked about a union hogan stooled them out uh you know hogan uh you know he's he's at the top of the game forever um and then uh when he's not he comes back for wrestlemania 9 and makes sure that he ends as the champion taking money out of the mouth of uh, both Brett and Yokozuna. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then he leaves it, kind of not with a bang, but with a whimper. Then he comes yeah. into WCW and I mean, he, he does a great, great business for a while. And then as it up, ebbs and flows, he makes sure he gets his bag and then, and then bounces. And he does the same thing in TNA. Like he keeps, again, it's just like, he he's a, he's a hippopotamus. He shits everywhere. So that everybody knows what he smells like, and now he gets to fuck all the other hippopotamus. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. And on right. and on that colorful ecological note. Yeah. What are people reading? <laughs> Andrew, why don't you start for us? Oh, uh, what, what am what I reading? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing really. I, I've been just focused, literally focusing on like developing courses and stuff okay. like that. Um, I'm, I, I teach next week, uh, for summer. Uh, actually I'm teaching now for my 
online course at my old school I used to work at. And next week I start teaching on my call university I attend now. Um, continue playing Tears of the Kingdom. It's great. It's so much fun. I haven't progressed. I've just been goofing around so much. <laughs> cool. Ed, what about you? What are you going to recommend? Um, I'm going to recommend the first of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Okay. Um, the, the whole series gets like way too bonkers, way too fast. Um, cause where do you go from, from the plot points of the first film? But, um, yeah, it's deeper. just, it's, you, you go to depths that people cannot fathom. You feel the pressure on all these characters. Yeah. I'm just trawling you, yeah. man. All right. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Well done. Thank you. Um, but yeah, the, the first one, the first one is just a fun movie. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not a big a deal cinematically, but it's, yeah, I, I highly recommend take, take the time to, to rewatch it and, and, and look at the way the plot twists work out because it's yeah. actually very cleverly put together. So that's my recommendation. How about you? I'm going to recommend Guy Evans's Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW. It is a really long <laughs> fucking read, but it is a really good journalistic exploration of all the documentation that was happening, all the memos, all the shit. And like Eric Bischoff looked at it and he's like, yeah, no, this, is, this is good. In fact, he ends up collaborating with Guy Evans to write another book later. Um, nice. But it, gets into the weeds in a lot of ways about the fall of WCW. So very cool. I mean, anything that shows like any media or literature or whatever that helps shows a failure of a billionaire or millionaire is good for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that, Andrew, where do you want people to find you? If you want to be found, Hey, you can follow me on a TikTok at prof.suds. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Granted, I just deleted the Twitter app for the 12th time this month. Uh, follow me on Instagram, and I plan to start a YouTube channel soon. So okay. there's that. Cool. Ed, you don't normally want to be found, but where can we be found? Uh, we collectively can be found at wubbawubbawubba.geekhistorytime.com. Uh, also, we are still on Twitter at uh, geek history time uh and you are listening to us so that means that you found us either on uh the stitcher app or the apple podcast app uh either way or or you're on the website uh however you have found us please take a moment to subscribe give us the five stars uh that you know uh certainly this evening andrew earned us uh with his with his trenchant commentary uh and and just knowing shit um and so yeah that's that's where <laughs> that's that's where we can be found uh and you mr harmony uh yes. where can you be found uh you want to see me live then you should come up to sacramento uh on july 7th uh you probably will have missed that by the time this airs august 4th september 8th or october 6th for capital punishment bring ten dollars come to the door bring another ten dollars for merch uh, and sit down and shout stuff out and and enjoy the hell out of the puns. Is a Hulk Hogan getting a cut of the merch? Uh, no, but Marvel does. Oh, amazing. So, <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, just a half Kogan, not a whole Kogan. So, okay. Yeah. And with that, <laughs> uh, Andrew Sutherland, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this show. Um, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock, and until next time, keep rolling 20s.